Welcome back to the 411 Podcasting Network. I am your host, Larry Zonka, and this is episode 30 of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course the 411mania.com website. Today I am joined by my good friend Jeremy Lambert. Jeremy, how are you this evening? I am alive. How are you, Larry? Uh, pretty much, man. That's uh, that's <laughs> me. I've been pretty wiped out since Thursday. I had a actually had an excellent day at therapy. Very happy. I got to, I kind of I've been graduating to various steps of the therapy. You know, like started with like exercise in the parallel bar, then moved on to the walker, and now I'm I'm using what's called the rollator. Which, if you've ever been out and seen like older people using it, it's it's usually like a it's a red walker with like four wheels and a basket usually and a seat on it, but um, it's uh, much better than just the walker because you can continuously walk and means I can actually work on getting my stride down. So that's been nice. That is that is good to hear. I'm glad to hear you're doing well in therapy, buddy. Yeah, it's going really good, man. Uh, the therapist told me Thursday I'm actually ahead of where they thought I'd be after six appointments, so that's making me happy. And I'm just uh, day by day, appointment by appointment, getting there slowly but slowly. But it's uh, it's all good, you know. So I can't complain. Good to hear. It's been a long way for me. Anybody who's followed me on Twitter has potentially seen my grandma's in bad health so i'm trying to take care of that situation but i'm here let's talk some somewhat decent wrestling yes we're going to talk about a few things tonight first of all we're going to talk about the pay-per-view that told us it was going to kick ass and take names wwe stomping grounds a tale of two shows in my opinion we'll start off jeremy with the cruiserweight title match on the pre-show drew gulak defeated tony nisa and akira tozawa just over 11 minutes via pin. Your thoughts? New champion here. Yeah, good match. Um, I thought Nice was going to retain because 205 Live likes to have some longer title reigns for the most part. But I have no, no problem with Gulak winning the title. He's been on that brand forever. He's been dealt with uh, shitty gimmicks like the, the PowerPoint nonsense. And then once Vince decided he was done with the brand and Triple H took over – Gulak dropped that whole shtick and got more serious and has become awesome. Um, and just an outstanding, outstanding match. All three guys worked really hard. These cruiserweight matches usually, usually really good stuff, and and this was no exception. And I'm looking forward to to Gulak. I, I put out on Twitter that I feel like he's gonna go to Evolve and defend the title a little bit there, so it'll get some more cachet through that. So yeah, good stuff here. Yeah, I really, really like this one. I thought it was a great way to kick things off. It's like, I always hate that they're most of the time outside of the, for some reason, Davari getting on a main pay-per-view match. I, I, I hate when they're always relegated to the pre-show, but you know what? Uh, they kicked ass, thought it was great. And for me, the show peaked here. They kicked ass and took names. Um, It probably peaked, but I don't think the lows were that low until later on, which we'll talk about. Yeah, this is true, so... Uh, next up, the pay-per-view officially kicked off with Raw Women's Champion Becky Lynch defeating Lacey Evans uh, just over 12 minutes via submission. Uh, I thought it was better than their Money in the Bank match. Far from great. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, Lacey still has... I mean, she's been thrown into the deep end, to be completely honest with everybody, and I think everybody really knows that. And um, she still has some positioning issues, and Becky was barking some spots quite loudly at points, but... You kind of have to do that when the person's not in the right place, unfortunately. But pretty good. Uh, Becky retains, and hopefully we can move on to something else soon. 
we will not be moving on to something else as we'll talk about in the main event. Um, Lacey's still green, as you said, positioning issues. I'm not like a big fan of her her work overall. She she's very clunky still. Becky did her best here. I, I don't put much of anything on in this match on her. There was a I love the spot near the end where Lacey tries I guess it was a sliced bread, but she only got up to the first turnbuckle, and then it was a stunner instead of anything else. It was, it was a weird move, but uh, you know maybe she can incorporate that into her offense. Um, yeah, it, Lacey is just she she's still very green, and you know that that's just how it is. She will hopefully improve in time. She's gonna keep working with uh, the the Beckys and the Charlottes and the Baileys and, and people like that. So hopefully she will improve in time and Becky winning obviously the the right call you can't take both titles off of her two months after the big Wrestlemania coronation in the review game when someone hits a move that's sort of like a move they're supposed to hit we always go with the old whatever move variation and I pulled that out tonight I said she hit a sort of sliced bread variation (laughs) it was it was a what a maneuver is is yeah it was a it was a sliced roll. She didn't quite get the whole loaf of bread. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I, I still think she does have potential. But, yeah, she's definitely been thrown into the deep end. And you have to be really careful with how they go with her moving forward. Like you said, it's it's only going to help, hopefully, working with, like, Becky, Bailey, Charlotte, and other people with more experience. This is also where uh, a situation where I really wish, like, Mickey James wasn't injured because that's someone you could put her on the road with. And just work for 12 sure. to 15 minutes every night. And that's what she needs right now. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Mickey being hurt is a is a big loss for them with, with these house show matches. But uh, give her Natalia. Natalia's on the Raw brand. Let her work a little bit more with Natalia on the road. And yeah, she'll, she'll slowly but surely get there. Yeah. So next up, uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn defeated the New Day, Xavier Woods and Big E. 11-10 via pin. I thought this was... Very good, uh, very enjoyable. It was pretty much exactly what I wanted from the match. Uh, they they got they got some time. It was very good. It was fun. They kind of broke from basic tag formula, and Kevin and Sammy picked up a much needed win after being beat like a drum pretty much twice a week every week. Yeah, Owens and Z- Sammy got off to the really hot start, like really really hot start, and then um, they they worked over Xavier. Biggie got the tag. Crowd was into that, and then it was good to see Owens and, and uh, Sammy win because they haven't been faring too well in these uh, two out of three falls matches. And what's what's the other gimmick that they're that they're running? Um, what a, oh the elimination tag team match but they weren't in that they were just in the two out of three falls uh, nonsense uh, yeah so they weren't winning too many of those so it was good to see them win here we will see kind of where they move on like they're technically on separate brands so I, I don't know quite what's next for these guys but this was this will hopefully set them off to, to different paths on their respected brands but that's probably not going to happen because wild card rule. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's it's hard to tell what they're going to do because, like, you know, last pay-per-view, you had the Usos defeating Brian and Rowan in a non-title match, and that's gone absolutely nowhere because they're on Raw and kind of feuding with the Revival still. And like you said, you know, Kevin and Sammy technically on separate brands, but who knows what the fuck they'll do with the wildcard bullshit. But, yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed this. I thought it was, uh, again, like I said, it was really what I hoped for. It was... Uh, 
they they got some time, they got some freedom, uh, the right team one, I think, and just uh, just a lot of fun. Yeah. Next up, WWE U.S. Champion Samoa Joe versus Ricochet. Ricochet wins the title in 12 and a half minutes. Your thoughts, Jeremy? Uh, I wanted eight minutes out of this match. We got 12 and a half minutes, so I was very pleased with that. There was no Samoa Joe, something crazy goes wrong, like in the Ray matches where Ray was busted up heading into Mania, and then Joe was busted up in, in the actual match, so... It was good to see Joe kind of get over that uh, just string of bad luck, I guess you would call it, and, and have a match like this because we, we know that's what he's capable of. Ricochet, obviously great. They, they worked the, the good uh, size and strength versus uh, speed and athleticism match. It was everything I had hoped for. Good good to see Ricochet win. Um, talked about that in the preview. We'll it's a he's a fresh guy with the title. We'll see if he does the open challenge. They tease the AJ match um, a little bit later on, and I mean, you give AJ and, and Ricochet, I guess, two out of three falls because there's no wrestling during commercial breaks now, and it'll probably be a, an outstanding match whenever it happens. And if it happens on Raw, then great. If it happens on pay per view, even better. Yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, I, I really thought that they were gonna have Joe retain. It just seemed like after all the weird shit that had gone wrong with the run and everything that he would win. And I remember you thought Ricochet winning was a good call, and uh, you were right here. And, yeah, they can definitely do a lot with the Ricochet run. I did love the tease of AJ, uh, you know, I'll see you, see you Monday. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a, I mean, I'm all about AJ and Ricochet having a match. I mean, shit, that's great. But, yes, uh, this match here, Joe and Ricochet, very good stuff. Played off their strengths very well because Joe is a great bully, and he does all those Little things really well. Ricochet is just a great resilient babyface with all the flash you could ask for. And a somewhat surprising title change and a welcomed one, I think, along with the Gulak one. So I like for sure. it. I also like the little uh, post-match where Ricochet gets to go backstage and he's congratulated by a big babyface contingent. Oddly enough, Charlotte was in there for some reason. Yeah. And, and then he got the, the big hug from Triple H. It was just like so weird because it's like, hey, here's all these, here's like Carmella and fucking Heavy Machinery and all these baby faces. And there's like Charlotte's just kind of standing there. Yeah, the Charlotte inclusion was was definitely weird because, as you said, it's Rollins, Carmella, Heavy Machinery. And then it's like Charlotte, she's she's here. She's she's still around and exists. It just felt like a way to kind of remind fans that she's still part of the company, but she just hasn't been around in a while because of uh, the unfortunate passing of Andrade's mother and her kind of helping out with that and everything. Yeah, um, the triple and then Triple H gives them the big congratulations. I didn't know how to feel about this. It was different so i liked that but at the same time it was like all right is, is this necessary like what what is this maybe if charlotte wasn't there i i would have felt a little bit better about it and it also felt like just a triple h self-congratulatory thing of like all right dude get out of here yeah i get that but i, I did like it because it's it's nice to see because we always talk about how like wwe baby faces just suck and, like, nobody's ever happy for anybody, and nobody helps anybody. And, you know, Rick Shea beats the big bad bully, and then, like, his friends are back there. Like, good job, buddy. So, it's yeah, like, I, sure. was, I was actually cool with that. Plus, like I said, it was different. It was it was better than just to the back, and here's another video package. Plus, it also kind of did the uh, Paul Heymaning into a next match. as Heavy Machinery's music hit, and they faced off with the SmackDown Tag Team Champions Daniel Bryan and Rowan. 
Uh, I thought it was a good and fun match. thought the layout was really good, made heavy machinery look like threats. I thought Brian got the most out of them. And I think, like, a really underrated thing in the whole thing uh, was, uh, you know, everybody's like, oh, Brian is making fun of them for all their dancing and shit. But if you pay attention, Brian has also done nothing but put them over for their amateur credentials. And he's mad at them because they should be better wrestlers and not be gyrating their hips and being douchebags in his eyes. So I thought he did a really good job putting them over before the match, during the match, and uh, Brian and Rowan retain, and they continue to be a surprisingly good tag team together. Daniel Bryan's awesome. This guy just gets it at every single level. Like you said, like when they when he was on commentary for for SmackDown, he wasn't like burying these guys for for being geeks, for not winning matches, for being goofballs and whatnot. He, you know, he took some shots at him. He's like, they should want to be the sheep herders, not the bushwhackers. But he also put these guys over because Brian understands if I bury these guys and say they're jokes and we lose then we look like jokes. And if we beat them, we just beat a bunch of jokes. So who does that help? You put your opponent over strong. So if you lose, it's okay. And if you win, you look better. Brian gets it. Not a lot of people seem to to get it on that level. And then Brian in the ring is still outstanding. He knows how to bump his ass off. He knows when to make comebacks. He knows when to play from underneath and make look guys look strong. He made heavy machinery look really strong here. Um, the the crowd dynamic was was interesting because obviously Brian was going to get the big pop in Washington, and he did. And they changed the dynamic of the match. It felt like to where all right, Brian's going to work a little bit more babyface here because they're not going to boo this guy doing like heel work so they changed it up it made otis look better especially with the the kicks kind of no selling and then throwing brian around and the the ending stretch was hot and yeah brian and rowan good little team they have no challengers on smackdown that's the issue obviously yeah that's unfortunate but uh yeah they're they're fun and they're like i said surprisingly good i enjoy it and uh i think they got the most out of the heavy machinery match here and uh, i thought that they looked pretty good overall and yeah so um Good stuff. No complaints really so far on this show overall. Uh, it's been going along well. Uh, we move on. We get uh, Bailey versus Alexa Bliss. SmackDown Women's Champion. Bailey retains at just under 11 minutes via pin after she took out Nikki Cross with a dive. And then Nikki Cross got involved, which led to Alexa Bliss uh, going for Twisted Bliss, eating the knees, and Bailey hits the Bailey to Belly to finish it. And I thought this was perfectly solid. Bailey gets some revenge. Nikki got involved, as we all expected, and the current storyline with her and Bliss will continue on. Yeah, nothing spectacular. A fine match. Um, it, was, it was mainly a storyline advancement thing, and with Alexa and Nikki. I'm even though I think coming full circle at Extreme Rules would have been the the right call and we'll see they could still do something here um alexa is technically on raw there's plenty of challengers for bailey on smackdown so you can easily move her into something new the the real story for alexa is the the nikki cross angle so that'll continue with this feud and it'll continue forward and maybe you know nikki cross is the one who snaps at extreme rules and just gets gets to beat the shit out of alexa but overall the the work was fine the the character work of, of all three is really the big thing here because you advance the the alexa and nikki storyline bailey did show kind of that edge in this match a little bit more so that was nice to see uh so in-ring work passable character work very good 
Fair enough. Yeah, I like it. So uh, we'll move on. We got highlights of the recent 24-7 shenanigans with R-Truth and Drake Maverick, who are the only two guys that are making this thing worth anything, uh, <laughs> including R-Truth losing it on SmackDown and then winning it back at Drake Maverick's wedding. <laughs> this whole thing is awesome. And it was great that Michael Cole wasn't there to narrate over everything. Like, just let us watch the fucking video. Uh, R-Truth is great. Drake Maverick is great. I, I truthfully think they could put sort of anyone in this position, maybe they won't get as much out of it as, as truth and like Maverick, but you put Matt Hardy in this shit, it, it's going to still shine. Yeah. Well, then that's the thing too, is cause they're doing a lot of it on social media and Matt's always been really savvy with that shit. But yeah, I mean, truth and Drake are killing it. And it's just, I generally don't like the overall thing. Cause it's generally just a bunch of geeks chasing truth around and it looks stupid. But when you get stuff like him and Maverick, it's like, yes, this is actually funny. I can I can go with this. I like it. And, and there's plenty of good personalities on social. Like Rusev, you put Rusev in this, and maybe people will like scoff at that. Like, why should Rusev be in this? He probably shouldn't. But the fuck else is he doing right now? Rusev like, has think, to find his way back to TV eventually. Yeah, like I, I think Rusev would, would be great in this position as well. WWE has so many good personalities that just don't get screen time or for whatever reason. And like, this is a gimmick for them to get into. Like, I would not be shocked if a lot of guys are backstage pitching and be like, Hey, can can I get involved in this? Because it seems like you kind of let these guys do whatever they want. You can play it up all on social media and there's not as many writers telling you what to do. Well, if you're one of the geeks, you should be fucking like throwing ideas to get on this because like, if you look at some of the truth videos on YouTube, they're doing really big numbers. Oh, all of the like all the twenty four seven title stuff like kills on YouTube. I when I when I do the ratings, I also post like here's what the most viewed stuff on YouTube was. And there was a SmackDown like last week where the the truth video had like one point six million views and the next highest was like five hundred thousand. Like it triples the, some of the stuff. Um it's always over a million views. It it, it it crushes on social media. Yeah, and that's and that's honestly the strength of it is when you have guys like Truth and Maverick who really make the most out of it, it, it will become popular and it's and that is at least a, a positive of it. I just I just hate like like I said, it looks like a uh, a fucking youth kids soccer game when they're under like seven. If you've ever watched like youth kids soccer, they like they make a giant tumbleweed basically and they chase the ball around. And in this instance, like, truth is the ball, and it's like, have all these dudes running around. And it's like, I, I have no time for any of that shit. But when it's like, Drake Maverick gets involved, and it's truth and stuff, I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm good with that. But yeah, so fun stuff there. And then, as we mentioned earlier, the Good Brothers congratulated Ricochet during his U.S. Championship photo shoot. AJ Styles joined in and says he will see him tomorrow night on Raw. And as I said before, I'm all about AJ and Ricochet. That's for sure. Hell yes. Moving on, the big dog Roman Reigns defeated Drew McIntyre 17 minutes and 40 seconds via pin. Your thoughts, Jeremy? Uh, too long, and that's my biggest issue. Like, too much just, hey, Roman, lay in this fucking rest hold for, for way too long. Um, I, I give, like, I've, I've said it before, I, I like this storyline as an angle with the best in the world thing. I think it's the wrong person in it. And that's my biggest problem with it. But it like it got over like there was dueling Roman chance early. And by the end of it, Roman was the conquering baby face. So it all worked. 
Roman works very hard. Drew works hard. And Shane is – that's my issue with the whole thing is, is Shane is there. He can't do the coast-to-coast spot anymore. Someone's got to tell him to knock that shit off because he's, he's going to injure somebody doing that shit or or shrink the ring i don't know if you know maybe they can get away with shrinking the ring when uh you know that he's going to do this spot on this night and maybe no one will notice but he's got to stop it i cannot remember the last time he actually like hit that move um yeah roman wins and drew just kind of that poor guy this is what we thought would happen they're just super afraid to like pull the trigger on this guy like between him and, and Strowman, it's like you should have two monster heels faces whatever alignment they're at to where all right these guys are badass maulers and you're afraid to do it and it, it's kind of sad yeah so i thought it was solid overall I thought it faded the longer it went on, had too much bullshit from Shane, and as you said, to completely agree, went too long. I thought they had some really solid ideas at times, and all I can think of watching this, and like, the beginning was great. You know, they brawl, Roman hits the big dog tope, and they're like going at it. And then it just kept going and going and going and going, and at the end of it, I'm like, you know, these two have good ideas, and they probably have a great hard-hitting 10-minute sprint in them one day, but unfortunately today was not that day, and Drew loses again, and he's, you know, it's like we talked about in the preview, it's great if he's looked at as Shane's assassin, but now he's coming off as Shane's lackey who can't win. Yeah. So and, and like that's the, that's the biggest issue, is this guy should be a killer, and I, I don't get, like... I don't know. It's I feel like their booking is backwards because like we said in the preview, Drew should have won here. Then you set up the the handicap match at Extreme Rules and that's when Roman overcomes and, and looks better. Shane needs the pinfall. Now it's like Roman wins. He kind of already overcame because Shane interfered like a motherfucker. And then you're doing the the two on one match on Raw and we'll we'll see what happens there. It's like this doesn't make any logical progression to me. Yeah, and I agree. Going back to the Bliss and Bailey match, that's the match where the show kind of went from a potentially great show to start falling off for me. Because the yeah. Bailey Bliss match wasn't bad; it was just kind of average. Like Jeremy said, the character stuff was good. Continued to Bliss and Nikki story, but it was just kind of there. And then this match was more of the same. So we move on. WWE Championship Steel Cage match. Your champion, Kofi Kingston versus Dolph Ziggler. Kofi Kingston defeated Dolph Ziggler at 20 minutes and 5 seconds via escape. I thought that this felt largely bland and flat. I never bought in the Dolph winning. I mean, you have to at least give me some teases that like he's getting he's going to win. And that's the big thing. That's what I'm looking for and I didn't never felt it. The finish was cool, though, when they were fighting for the door and Kofi just fucking did a suicide dive out the door to win. So at least that was cool. But uh, honestly, one of the duller big-time matches in some time for me. And unfortunately, it didn't get better. But Jeremy, your thoughts? Oh, I I had expectations for this match. I thought, you know, Dolph works really hard. Kofi's really good. They'll, they'll play up the cage stipulation the the best they can. And even if they don't utilize the cage like to the best of their ability because you aren't going to do blood or anything like that, 
you can still work a good match with Dolph Ziggler and Kofi Kingston. And it just, it was not there. Like it was, it was a dull, dull, dull match. And and you're right about Ziggler. Like no one thought he was going to win this match. And they didn't even give you like the impression that he was going to win this match. I never at any moment felt like, Ooh, that was like a a close near fall or, Ooh, that was a good tease. It was just, all right, you kind of did it, but I wasn't buying that at all um i did like the finish i thought that was very creative that's about the only good thing i can say about this match was the the finish was created the actual meat and potatoes of this match were were just did nothing for me yeah and again it's not that this was bad i didn't find it i know i've seen some people that like totally shit on i thought it was horrible i didn't think it was bad i thought it was solid but when you don't really have that drama to buy into the challenger in any way, it just it, it takes a lot away from me. And um, as I've, as I said before, I, I don't need people like razor blading in 2019. But goddamn, if there was ever a match that needed some juice, you know? Yeah, Ziggler's got. I mean, he's always got that blonde hair that looks good when he blades. So it it would have been like good and it would have shown like a little edge to Kofi as well like all right this guy is sick of uh Ziggler's bullshit and he's just gonna bust them up here like I I think that would have been it would have been good progression in the Kofi character I don't know where they're going with Kofi but he's he's winning a lot of matches which is really good but to have a little edge brought out of them especially if they're going to do a rumored Brock Lesnar match at SummerSlam, like that edge could have been good here if that's the direction you're going. Um, yeah, it's just not not very good. But you're right that like technically it was fine. It was like Randy Orton esque, where technically it's a good match, but as far as engagement, it just wasn't there. Yeah, I also find it really weird. It's like I know Dolph like they really play up his amateur wrestling credentials, which I think is great because when he does some of that stuff, it's really good. But when did Dolph turn into like a fucking submission master here? Like they're trying to sell him working submissions at the end and ankle locks and heel hooks and shit, which that heel hook looks really shitty. Minoru Suzuki face on that one. Man. <laughs> but it's just like, what the hell, man? It's like, I don't know. I just, I, give me something. I don't know. I just, I, I really wanted to care and I kept waiting and I kept waiting. And then Kofi dove out of the cage and won. And I was like, yay, Kofi won. That was it. At least there was no interference. I mean, the cage was designed to keep New Day out, and it did that. Yes, those dastardly heels, the New Day. Yeah. Oh, that was good. Uh, move, move Kofi on. I don't know what he's going to do next, but just move him on. Ziggler can do his stupid comedy tour, and the the world will be a better place. Yeah, Kofi needs something fresh. Uh, the, the Dolph thing was obviously a Band-Aid when... You know, Brian had that little injury after Mania, and then Kevin Owens wasn't going to Saudi Arabia. So, I mean, it's fine as long as we can move on here. And, yeah, just need something else. I just, I don't really know who the fuck they move on to. Yeah, that's sort of the issue, is I'm not sure. Like, you've kind of done Owens. You've, Zane is technically on Raw. And there's options. There's With the wild card rule, it's unpredictable, Larry. Yeah. Maybe Kofi Kingston will break into Aleister Black's little locker room and challenge him to a fight. Yeah, shut the fuck up, dude. You want to fight somebody, I'm right here. So we move on to the main event, WWE Universal Championship match. Your champion, Seth Rollins, defending against Baron Corbin. Lacey Evans was announced as the special referee, and 
That is why they have made it a point to make sure you knew Rollins and Becky Lynch were in a relationship on TV. They really made that a point. Really, really made it a point. Uh, I think Becky's new title is no longer the man. It's just Seth Rollins' girlfriend. Yeah, they, they it's all they talked about. So, Seth Rollins defeated Baron Corbin 18 minutes and 45 seconds via pin. We had a bunch of dumb fuckery with the referee stuff. <laughs> Just it, every horrible fucking special referee trope in the world that kills momentum and kills the match. And you're wondering, it's like, you know what? It's the special referee. Why don't they just fucking ring the bell and say, hey, Seth Rollins gave up? You know, do something. But then you have Lacey deciding to randomly change the rules because apparently she's a GM now. And she made it no count out. She made it no DQ. And it was just boring as shit and horrible for 18 minutes until Becky Lynch ran out after Lacey Evans slapped Rollins and gave him a low blow. She beat the shit out of him. Seth Rollins made a comeback, hit the super kit, the blackout, and beat Baron Corbin. This was very, very bad. Um, Yeah, not... not <laughs> Best pro wrestling on the planet, Larry. What are you talking about? Oh, yes, about? hang on, yes. Let's <laughs> revisit this for those of you that might not follow Twitter. <laughs> Seth Rollins dug himself a whole night. WWE had posted, WWE superstars look to kick butt and take names at Stomping Grounds live this Sunday. Seth Rollins retweeted, best pro wrestling on the planet, period. And then he got some backlash, so later on he posted... Doubling down, best pro wrestling on the planet. See that cruiserweight triple threat? And that's just one night, one match amongst many. Find anyone else alive who still does what I do as well as I do. It as often as I do, you can't. Well, pretty much everybody on the card did better than you tonight. Now granted, they didn't have to work with Baron Corbin, but still, you had a horrible fucking main event. And yeah, it's. I'm sorry, it was bad. Not not the night to send that tweet when you know this is what you're being booked into. <laughs> just just not the not the time to to do that, uh, buddy. Um, but that's what he did, and you know what can you do? Uh, like I don't begrudge the guy for saying, "Hey, we have the best pro wrestling on the planet." Like what the fuck is he supposed to say? Go watch AEW; they have better pro wrestling than us. Like that that would be stupid. So. I, I don't think that's wrong or anything. It's just if you know this is what you're being booked into tonight, maybe hold off on that tweet and for a little while longer. Um, not not a good match. Uh, Corbin not great. It was it was very over the edge. Ninety eight with with Austin and McMahon and uh, and Dude Love. Like it was just it was a carbon copy of that, except it was with Lacey Evans. Um, Baron Corbin and Seth Rollins, three people who are not Austin McMahon into love. Becky finally came out like great. Uh, at least she explained it on Twitter. Like, yeah, you can slap him, you can count slow, but don't fucking touch his balls. Those are mine. You get your ass kicked if you do that. Uh, so I, I like that she's trying to logically explain why she wasn't out there sooner. Um, Rollins wins fine. It, it would be nice if this would be the conclusion of the feud. I have a feeling we're getting that mixed tag team match at extreme rules or at some point, because I, that just seems like that's what it's all setting up to. And I don't know why. Yeah, I, I don't know, but yeah, not good. And just, uh, 
you know, all I keep hearing from people is Baron Corbin gets heat. Well, you know what? Let's just examine this. That's fine if he gets heat, but if you're generally dog shit in your matches, what the hell does that mean? Yeah, I mean, I I thought Michael Cole and Renee were actually good here. I mean, not quite Michael Cole. Sometimes he was like, oh, listen to the WWE Universe. Tell Corbin what they think. Renee was good. I was like, this is so stupid. And, like, obviously she's talking about the, the storyline and stuff, but she may, may be uh, shooting a little bit there. And, and Michael Cole sort of the same thing where he's just like, can't believe this. Like, this is nonsense. Like, what is going on? And it's like, yeah, there's a little bit of truth in those lines. Yeah, I laughed when he was like, WWE Universe is telling them what they think as they chant, this is boring in AEW. Yeah. I was like, yeah, they're they're telling you what they, uh, they're, they're giving it to you. Yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, that was a uh, WWE stomping grounds. It's a, it's a show that I would watch the first five matches of and you could stop there. Because the first five matches were generally all good to very good and a lot of fun. And once you hit Bailey and Alexa Bliss, it, it hits average for a little bit and then drops off at the end. Badly. Yeah, that, definitely. And it's a shame because it was a good show. And then you get into, uh, you know, three out of four title matches and your your two big title matches. And it's like, all right, this has the potential to, to be an excellent show. And your two title matches just fell completely flat which uh it's not what you want you don't want your your big matches uh falling flat there it felt like the earth 2 version of like a new japan show because sometimes you get like these new japan shows where the undercard is like really solid to good and then like you get like the final four matches and they're just like holy fucking shit matches and it's like all of a sudden you're like this is a really great show like everything was fine, and then every every match that was supposed to deliver delivered, and they were great. And this one, the undercard, it, it was almost, I guess, I guess a better comparison instead of inverse New Japan is like WCW, to where you'd have like those killer undercards, and then like just like the shitty NWO filled main events that like were horrible. That sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, stomping grounds, uh, undercard definitely over delivered. Uh, a lot of fun stuff from those guys who were all working hard, and uh, I appreciated that. And um, So not a bad show, but it, it was a show that could have been a lot better. Yeah, not not bad at all, especially with the expectations going in. It, it wasn't built well. Um, the matches didn't. Like when we did our preview, I, I said I wasn't really excited for anything on this card and but the guys worked hard everybody we worked hard there was some good storyline advancement I, I will give them that there were some good matches on this card it's just unfortunately your your top two matches fell flat and yeah you, you gotta you gotta fix that somehow yeah you have to have those matches deliver but before we move on, a reminder, you're listening to the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course the 411mania.com website. Please make sure to subscribe and share, and if you have time, leave a five-star review on iTunes. So Jeremy, moving on, Friday night we have the ROH Best in the World 2019 pay-per-view. And we're going to go ahead and preview that right now. Starting off with a match I know you're thrilled about. Nope. The Allure versus Jenny Rose and Kelly nope. Klein. Nope. <laughs> Next. Uh, yeah, it's uh, probably not going to be good. The Allure will probably win to set up Angelina Love as a title contender, which um, that'll be something. Next. 
Six-man tag team champions, Villain Enterprises versus Lifeblood, Williams, Haskins, and PJ Black. Uh, I like this match. Uh, Lifeblood, I, they might be on life support because Juice is apparently done with ROH and he was kind of the leader of that whole thing. And like they already lost to Neil, so they're just kind of a, a group of guys right now it's a it's a weird stable like they made the offer to flip i don't think they've ever like followed up on that and you know flip it was supposed to be like once you get back from the g1 you know let it let us know and he never went to the g1 so kind of a kind of a weird thing there we'll we'll see what happens maybe he can kind of be the the new leader and i think that would make sense because flip is in line for uh big things so you give him this group you, you let him be that leader and i think it, it could work out well and villain enterprises they're teasing the fourth member whoever that might be we'll see if he shows up in this match uh but as far as the match goes it should be a good match all these guys are good yeah, there's not a lot of setup to it. It's like um, Haskins and Williams have been having trouble with Bully Ray and the Sons of Savagery, and PJ Black offered to have their back. He ended up getting put through a table. They teamed once. They defeated the Shinobi Shadow Squad, which is Cheeseburger, Eli Isom, and Ryan Nova, and then found themselves into a six-man title match because King and Skrull were off in Japan for the best of Super Juniors, and PCO was doing other shit. So, odd build to it, and like you said, Lifeblood is in a really odd place right now, because Finley's hurt, Tennille's gone, and Juice is, uh, depending on who you want to believe, uh, doesn't like working ROH and just doesn't want to come back, or he's just not coming back, um, whatever it is, but hey, what are you going to do? And like you said, they tried to recruit Flip, and that has seemingly failed, but uh, it's given PJ Black something to do, he seems to be working well with the group. And it will be interesting to see if they do produce the fourth man. Who do you think is going to win? I think Villain Enterprises will end up winning via the the fourth man. That's kind of the feeling I'm getting. It's like Lifeblood could certainly use the win because we keep talking. They keep doing things that are good, and they're kind of getting nowhere, though. So it'll it'll be interesting to see how they do it. But yeah, I think Villain Enterprises retains. Coming off of the Crockett Cup shenanigans where the Briscoes were disqualified and decided that they wanted revenge on the NWA, uh, that led to a TV angle where the Briscoes beat the shit out of Cole Cabana and Nick Aldis, and that is our next tag match. Nick Aldis, the NWA champion, and Cole Cabana, the NWA, what is he, like North American champion? What the hell is it? Uh, national national champion. champion. I know, something like that. They face off with the Briscoes, so at least it's a good setup with a nice history to it. Your thoughts? Yeah, the, the storyline here is, is good. It kind of started at um, the, the Crockett Cup where the Briscoes were like, fuck the NWA, you've screwed us over. And then you've got the two NWA representatives, um, you know, the two top champions like defending the honor of the company. And they've set it up well on ROH TV as well. So I like that. Uh, we'll see if Cabana works this because he's reportedly dealing with an injury. Not reportedly, like he's confirmed it. Uh, so he's dealing with an injury, had to cancel bookings this past weekend. So we will see if he's able to go in this match. I assume he will be able to go in some capacity. And because it's a tag team match, you can protect them a little bit. I I don't know who wins this actually because you don't want your kind of NWA champions losing, but they're also not really a true team, and the Briscoes are. And you can do some shenanigans where all this is like, eh, fuck this match, like I'm out of here, and then Cabana eats the loss. So I, I will go with the Briscoes. That's kind of what I'm thinking too. Exactly with all of this, I could see shit getting too hot and heavy for him, and just being like, fuck off, I'm the NWA champion, I'm out. And um, 
I think it would make sense because if the Briscoes win here, they beat the NWA singles champions, and then you could easily transition to them feuding again with PCO and Brody King, who are the NWA champions. And I think that would work out well. So I would go with the Briscoes win. Probably a good match as well, like the trios match. And um, I think Colt should be good to go just for the simple fact that um, he took off those bookings, I think, to make sure that he can, you know, work this show. So Yeah, um, I agree. I think I think he'll be okay to go. But you, you never know when a guy cancels bookings, you get a little bit worried. And who knows the extent of, of what's going on with him. So this match might get changed by the time you all listen to this. It very well could be. But next up, we're going to go pure rules match. Jonathan Gresham coming off his best Super Juniors run versus Silas Young. Uh, this goes back to the 17th anniversary pay-per-view. They were going to have a match. Young ended up attacking Gresham backstage. From there, Young has been on a quest to prove that he's basically the superior pure wrestler. Uh, he was doing some really fun stuff on TV where he was doing like an exhibition with a guy, talking about all the things you shouldn't do in a wrestling match and then proceeded to do them, including kicking the young man in the nuts. And then he did a um, match with a gentleman called The Squid, playing off of Gresham's octopus nickname. Uh, so that was the whole build while um, Gresham was in Japan, and I think they covered that well. And uh, the pure rules, uh, if you don't know old ROH, that was an early part of ROH. They had a uh, pure rules championship in 2004 with Styles won at first. And then basically the rules are each each wrestler has three rope breaks to stop a submission or a pin. After a wrestler gets rid of his rope breaks, submissions and pin attempts on or under the ropes by the opponent are considered legal. Closed fist punches to the face are not allowed. Only open hand slaps or chops to the face are allowed. Punches on other parts of the body are okay, excluding low blows. The first use of a closed fist will get a warning. The second will lead to a disqualification. Uh, I thought Young has been really, really good in his role. He's a great asshole. It's just like everything he does, you want to hate the guy. Gresham is obviously great coming off of a quality best of Super Junior run. Getting the return, has reportedly signed a new deal with ROH, is going to be running the school a bit. And I think uh, this is Gresham should pick up the win here. Gresham should definitely pick up the win here. We I hope they don't do too much with this, like overbooking it. Like stick to the rules, let them let them work. Don't like because Silas Young isn't necessarily a pure rules kind of guy for the most part, like Jonathan Gresham is, and that's why I worry that they're gonna be like, eh, it's pure rules, but we're sports entertainment ROH now, so let's do some nonsense with, with this, and that's my concern in this match. Just just let these guys have have a good wrestling match. Fair enough, and I do not disagree at all. Next up will be the finals of the best of three series between Jay Lethal and Kenny King. Your thoughts, Jeremy? Should be fine. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of Kenny King, but Jay Lethal is very good. And I, who who is who is up right now? Oh, it's best of three falls. No, it's a it's a best of three series, so it's they're okay. they're tied going into it. Uh, th- okay. The second match airs on RH TV this week. Jay Lethal ties it up. Okay. Uh, I, I would assume Kenny King wins because he has a title shot at some point, I think, unless they had forgotten about that or I missed that because I it wasn't on television and I can't keep up with all of what ROH does because they're a weird company. Uh, I would assume Kenny King wins based on that. You got to keep that guy strong for the big showdown with Matt Taven that everyone is clamoring for. Yeah, I um I think it'll be good. They've had good meetings in the past and um 
My thing is I think Lethal wins because he's currently booked in a title match at Manhattan Mayhem. It's TV tapings in July. And while Kenny King has a title shot in his pocket, I think he loses here, gets pissed off, and ends up costing Lethal the title match in uh, July, which would then set him up for his upcoming title match later on. So I'm going to go Jay Lethal on this one. All right, fair enough. Next up, Roosh versus your boy Flip Gordon. And uh, this is, um, you know, you lost the Bucks, Cody Page, and SCU, and Roosh was a guy that they brought in, which was a really good call. And I thought he's been really, really good in ROH, but I really thought that they were going to build to Roosh versus Taven for this pay-per-view, but they kind of totally changed course and everything. And they're going to opt for a slow burn. I would assume that they'll eventually build to them probably for final battle. Um, Gordon is, he's probably a future ROH champion if he sticks around. Um, but that won't be for a while because he lost he the, well, you're probably not, but he lost the uh, <laughs> D- Denier Defy match. So he can't challenge Taven Wise champion. He works hard. Rich works hard. But unfortunately for a good old flipper here, he's a, uh, He's just going to be another achievement to Roosh as he builds his way to a title match. Yeah, this is a weird match to me because Flip is a guy who they seem to want to get behind and build around. And and Roosh, they're obviously pushing heavily with some big victories. And, you know, someone's got to lose this match. And not that uh, the loser can't look strong. But it just seems like an odd time for, for this match to happen, and there's there hasn't been like any real build to it. It's just like, hey, here's a match that should be good. Uh, Roosh, Roosh should win because he's in the middle of the, the big push here, and I don't know if you can hold off till final battle to, to put the title on this guy. Like, that's a long, long time, and I mean, that's that's December. Like, you're really going to hold off until December. I don't know what you're going to do in the meantime. I, I hope Matt Taven isn't holding the title until then. We've seen ROH miss the boat on a lot of title changes, and that would seem like it's missing the boat because Roosh is pretty hot right now, and if he just keeps winning, like, that's great, but like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like you got to go sooner rather than later with Roosh. Yeah, and I don't want to see Taven hold the title till December either, but, you know, it's a known ROHS plan. So, kind of related to the Roosh match here, we got Dalton Castle versus Dragon Lee. And, uh, of course, back at the G1 Supercard, Dalton Castle lost to Roosh in 17 seconds. Uh, This continued Roosh's rise and the decline of the former champion in Dalton Castle. He lost matches, he was humiliated in MSG, Lost his swagger, then lost the boys when he beat the shit out of them. And now he's looking for revenge, and he's going to face Roosh's brother, Dragon Lee, who is fucking awesome and former IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion. Um, Dragon Lee always brings kick-ass matches. It will be interesting to see how good Castle is doing these days, health-wise, if he's back to himself. Um, obviously, he's out for the revenge. It makes sense for him to win here and reestablish himself. Um, but uh, I'm not sure how good the match will be because it depends on how healthy Castle is. I like the story of this match. Um, it, it definitely makes sense with Dalton Castle. I Did you see the video of him dodging the, the flying dummies on social media? Yeah. <laughs> that was really good. I, I like that. Um, yeah, I, li- I like the story with Dalton Castle. It makes sense that he would be facing Dragon Lee. 
as you said, a lot will depend on how Dalton Castle is feeling. We know Dragon Lee can go. Like this guy's coming off a really good Best of Super Juniors run, so like his work quality is not going to be in question here. I would assume Castle gets the victory because he is the the full time ROH guy, and it, it makes more sense for him to win this. Potentially build towards that rematch with Roosh, um, and he probably shouldn't win that rematch, but it at least won't go 14 seconds uh, or whatever it was at Madison Square Garden. Uh, so I figure Castle gets the victory here. And That's actually a question, dude. Do, do you actually think ROH would have the nuts to have him fucking beat Dragon Lee in like 10 seconds? Uh, no, not 10 seconds. No, there's... there's... I don't see that at all. If they do, like, bold move, more power to them. It would be, it would fit the story perfectly. No way they do it. Yeah, I, I don't think they do. I just, I, I think you piss, you risk pissing a CML off too, too much doing that. But, uh, yeah, but yeah, the Castle should definitely win. And hopefully if, uh, if he's feeling good enough to it, they have a really good match. Because definitely potential because Dragon Lee is fucking great. We move on. Your boy, Jeremy, the ROH TV champion of the world, Shane Taylor versus Bandito. Can't wait for this one. Shane Taylor going to prove once again. I mean, this match, this this event is named after him. So it's named after Shane. Shane McMahon, Shane Taylor, the two best in the world. Yeah, no, I, in all seriousness, I really like Shane Taylor. Uh, prior to the War of the Worlds tour, Bandito beat him on TV and then on the tour... That's when Shane Taylor won the TV title, and that's how we set up our match here. First meeting was really good. Uh, Bandito's great because not only is he a fast dude, but he has enough of a power game that he can be competitive with Taylor. He beat him with the 21-plex and everything, so he can lift him up and throw him around a bit. And uh, they've had really strong years so far. Uh, I think this may be the sleeper match on the show because I, I, I still think a lot of people downplay Shane Taylor despite the fact that you know, he's fucking had, like, bangers with Jeff Cobb and shit. Uh, I think the reason people overlook him, though, is because he still kind of hangs out with Bully Ray and that bullshit sometimes, which I understand that. But I think this has a lot of potential and a high ceiling. Bandita's coming off a good Best of Super Juniors run, but Shane Taylor is still in that frame of mind where he feels like he needs to prove himself. That's a great motivational tool, man. So I think not only does he win, but a potentially great match here. Could be could be very good. I give Shane Taylor a lot of shit, but he's he's not bad. And Bandito is excellent. And even though his best Super Juniors run slightly disappointing, he'll get more time here. He'll look the, he'll look like more of a threat here. Um, and Shane Taylor, like he can bump around for Shane Taylor. Shane Taylor is a, is a big dude who can uh, work hard and use his strength to his advantage. And Bandito can make him look very good. Um, so it should be should be a good match. And obviously, the best in the world, Shane Taylor, picks up the victory. That's right. So the main event of the evening is the ROH World Champion Matt Taven versus the wholesome wrestle lad Jeff Cobb. Uh, both of these guys were successful at the G1 Supercard. Taven won the ROH title there. Cobb won the Never title. But since then, Cobb dropped the Never title and the TV title. And now he's looking to go after the world title. Uh, Taven has been fine as champion. I just... I have problem investing in him as a champion and being overly interested in him in any way. But he does... He can deliver. And he's going to have a chance with Jeff Cobb. Because Jeff Cobb is great. Uh, you know, the thing is with Taven is like, I just, I need him to be more than fine. 
Because if you're going to be the world champion, you, you have to bring more than just fine to the table. Um, Cobb is someone who should probably be champion by now, if not soon. But the thing is, is he's going to be in the G1. And ROH in the past has not wanted their champion in the G1 because they don't want him taking losses. And I still think they're building to Rusha versus Taven at some point. So Matt Taven is going to win somehow. And they're going to continue to try and make his run worth something. Matt Taven winning or losing isn't really in doubt. Like he's going to win because, yeah, he, he's Matt Taven, damn it. Um, and you're Melvin, Larry. The, his his run has done nothing for me. It didn't do anything for me when he won the title. I was dreading things. I actually don't think his matches have been too terrible. Uh, from and I can't say that I've watched every single Matt Taven match because I have better things to do with my life. Um, but the the matches I've seen have been fine. It's just I don't have any interest in this title reign. The, this match will probably be fine as well. Jeff Cobb's very good. I think Matt Taven can can work to a certain level. Uh, and, and Matt Taven's going to win probably with some kingdom shenanigans because they aren't on, the, on this card, at least as of now. And that'll, that'll be that. So that is the ROH Best in the World show. I'll have a written preview up later this week. And, of course, we'll have live coverage on Friday night. And then Saturday night, Jeremy... We got another show, and that is going to be AEW's second show, the Fighter Fest event, which is a joint show with the CEO uh, gaming convention deal, which Kenny Omega did last year as part of New Japan for wrestling. And we start off in the buy-in. We have Michael Nakazawa versus Alex Jabaley. Uh They tried to do this match last year. Jabaley got hurt in training, and it was pretty much nothing. And Jabaley is obviously not a trained wrestler. Michael Nakazawa is a comedy guy. In my opinion, this is a horrible idea to air this match. Can yeah. you can, hang on, hang on. can you imagine if you're sitting there telling people about AEW and how it's different than WWE and it's better than this or it's better than that company and it's it's totally new and you should give your time to it. And then the first fucking match you're going to see on this pre-show portion is Michael Nakazawa and Alex Jabaley in, in a, a hardcore, hardcore match. match. <laughs> um, not not the the best introduction in the world. I wouldn't think if people are going to to watch this show and be. I mean, the whole show is free, so the fact that this is on there, like, I, I don't have a a huge huge issue with it it's it's a favor to jabaley it's something they can do with tozawa maybe it's nakazawa it's, don't don't insult tozawa sorry michael nakazawa uh maybe it, it's passable with enough comedy and whatnot i i assume it'll be kept short it's just a it's a, it's a really nothing match maybe they just turn it into like a, a street fighter session that that would be fine yeah, it's uh, and remember, it's only free in the U.S. Internationally, you got to pay for this. They don't care about the well, not still, the buy it. The yeah, buy-in but still, I don't right? care. I don't think <laughs> I, I. My advice: don't air this fucking match. Fair enough. I mean, I can't idea. say, can't say it's wrong. So next up, also on the buy-in portion of the show, are SCU versus the Best Friends versus Private Party. This in this match, the winners will advance to All Out. For a shot at the first at a first round bye in the AEW World Tag Team Championship Tournament, 
So fucking stupid. What? <laughs> this feels overly complicated. And, like, they should just make this match and, like, the winners get the first round by. Because if you win here and you lose it all out, it still feels like you're just making yourself work extra and you're getting no fucking reward. This is really, like, a stipulation to add a stipulation to make the match seem important. But in reality, it's not. Like, you win this match, so you get a chance at another match, so you get a chance at to a first round match, buy. Yeah. yeah, like, what? Just just do the match. I, I don't understand attaching it, because you can just do this match, and then whenever you do the, the all-out first-round buy match, you can just say, oh, you know, what's-their-name are in this match because they won at Fighter Fest and they were impressive. That's why they're getting this opportunity to have this first-round buy. And it's like, okay, that makes sense. That that makes sense of why they would be in this match uh, at All Out and why they're getting this opportunity. Like, you don't need to attach it to this match prior to it to, to make it seem like it, it's a meaningful match. Yeah, it seems really ridiculous, but... um. As we speculated after Double or Nothing, um, it seems like the tag division is going to carry the early portion of the TV show, and it kind of should because they have a ton of talent. Um, SCU and the Best Friends are great, um, and Dirt, uh, Private Party here are going to get their biggest exposure to date, and um, they're a team that have some good buzz. I haven't seen a ton of them. What I've seen, I've liked generally, and this is a big chance for them. Um, SCU and Best Friends are going to deliver. They they always bust their ass on shows. Who do you got winning here? I'm kind of thinking best friends. Yeah, I, I think best friends as well. Um, because SCU, you can always work into anything, and like they can they can be on all out. Like that that's not going to be an issue. Private party, don't know a lot about them, but like you, like from what I have seen, it's been good. But from also what I've heard, like they look really good on highlights, but in longer matches, they're still a little bit uh, green. So we, we'll see how that kind of works out. They might be just a little too early for them to to get like a big significant push or anything like that. Uh, but best friends is a is a safe option, and like they work hard and they're good. So I, I feel like best friends probably wins this one. Yeah. Moving on, we have uh, women's action, Nyla Rose versus Riho versus Yuka. All three ladies were on double or nothing. Rose lost in her four-way match. Uh, Rio was on the winning team in the Joshi trios while Yuka was on the losing part of the team. So, overall thoughts. I, I kind of wish they were just doing a singles match, honestly. Because like, they did the four-way, which was like it didn't need to be a four-way and, you know, the tag, the Joshi tag was a Joshi tag, which I really did enjoy. Kind of think it would have been better off to just do Riho versus Yuka here. But, you know, because, like, I think Nyla Rose is okay. But I really feel that it's going to be one of those matches where they really do the the three-way formula and she's not in it a lot. And then comes in and does, like, sparing random power spots and stuff like that. But... I, I probably would have just gone for a one-on-one match. I think Riho wins because she's the one that uh, is signing and looking to be a more permanent part of the roster. Yeah, I think uh, Nyla actually wins because she is part of the roster. I think Riho is she's on like a, a three appearance deal right now, and I know they are like trying to sign her up long term and everything, but I I just don't know. 
uh, you know what what her deal is with with uh, her Japan commitments and, and everything like that. So I, I feel like Nyla is going to end up with a big push because she was part of that initial triple threat that turned into a four way, and she was part of the ticket party in Vegas and stuff. And she seems like she's a big part of the roster, and like she's going to be sort of their their monster and i think they're going to try to get get her over as quick as possible and this match would would certainly be the the first opportunity or the next opportunity to do that fair points moving on to the main card uh the, technically that was the main card match too but we're moving on uh christopher daniels versus shima battle of the veterans a double or nothing scu defeated shima and his uh proteges in a great little trios match and the feud continues here as the veteran leaders of their teams uh, go to battle one more time. You know, it's like everybody, Daniels is 48, blah, 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 blah. But dude can still go. Really smart performer. And he doesn't get enough credit overall for just career accomplishments and a lot of the young talent that he helped cultivate. Because it's like, you look back and, you know, honestly, and they'll tell you, AJ got his TNA job because of working the NWA anniversary match with Daniels. And everybody was blown away with AJ. Like, they had heard a lot, and then they saw that match, and, like, we need to sign AJ Styles. And he did that for, like, a lot of guys. You know, Shima's 41, Dragon Gate legend. Again, extremely smart guy. A lot of go left in his game. And these two guys are going to be really instrumental, I think, in really, really working the OWE guys into the main roster when they arrive. Just in terms of the booking, the layout of the matches with them. I'm a big fan of both guys, really looking forward to it. And I think that they can have a really good to great match here, no doubt. I think uh, I think Shima gets the win, getting a little revenge for the double or nothing tag loss, but I'm really looking forward to this. I think it has a lot of potential. I, I, I'm with you. I'm pumped for this. Daniels is, is still excellent. Shima can still go. Like, he looked good at, at All Out. So both guys, their work ethic is not in question like they they work hard they can still deliver what they can deliver at their age and like that's better than what a lot of you're gonna get from from guys these age because you look at something like the undertaker and goldberg and this will not be that uh i don't expect this to go long or anything they'll uh, but they'll work hard Uh, yeah i'm with you i think shima probably ends up getting the 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 win because you kind of need to get that back from from all out and daniels is kind of more of a player coach role so like i'm working that you know wins and losses actually matter in aew because that's what they have told us and they're gonna keep track of that shit uh daniels can afford losses you don't want to put too many losses on shima if you're if he's going to be an integral part of the owe kind of stable moving forward I completely agree. Next up, four-way match. MJF versus Jimmy Havoc versus Jungle Boy versus Hangman Page. Uh, All of these guys were involved at Double or Nothing in the angle where Bret Hart was presenting the AEW Championship. MJF arrived to be his usual and glorious douchebag self and interrupt everything. Uh, That led to Page and Havoc and Jungle Boy all kind of getting, you know, involved in shit. And, uh, yeah, it's a four-way match here. Um... Big chance for Jungle Boy to impress because he, out of the four, he's the one with the the least amount of exposure. You know, MJF and Jimmy Havoc work a ton of places. They're on MLW. Hangman Page was ROH New Japan and obviously number one contender and a guy that they're going to push. Um, so he's probably going to win. But uh, I think the underlying story will be to see how Jungle Boy does. 
Because MJF, obviously, everybody thinks he's a great heel. Jimmy Havoc is the crazy, wild, you know, the hardcore guy. But Jungle Boy is like kind of an unknown variable to a lot of people. So it'll be interesting to see how he does. It's a it's a very interesting mix of guys just overall. Like MJF is a very much a throwback. He's not going to do any flippy stuff. He kind of he works a very methodical uh, sort of style. He likes to get heat, and he does a very good job at that. Jimmy Havoc is a nutso guy who will do anything to kill himself and his opponent. Jungle Boy is a little bit on the the crazier side as well and likes to entertain the crowd with a sort of more more high-flying antics and then Paige is just a, a really good worker who just kind of plays his role um like he does I don't know if he has like a one certain style like he can do high-flying stuff he can brawl he's, he's just a very well-rounded um performer so it's it's an interesting mix of guys we'll see how they all mesh together I would think Paige gets the victory simply because he's being built for the world title shot so you want him to look strong have his hand raised everything like that like even if well, let's say MJF pins Jimmy Havoc, like that wouldn't be a knock against Hangman Page. But at the same time, you want this guy looking strong heading into this Chris Jericho match. So you you don't want him losing a match even if he's not involved in the pinfall. I, I don't know how these wins and losses things work. If this counts against the record because they don't win the match, so technically they do lose the match. Um, so so I, I would say that uh, Hangman should win this one. Yeah, and I, I think you should. I think it's one of those things, keep it simple, stupid, you know. Uh, next up, Cody versus Darby Allen. And uh, this is fascinating clash of styles and will be interesting to see what they do here because obviously Cody is Cody. He has a big match with Dustin coming up against the Young Bucks. And he's going to be a guy that he's a name. He's going to get pushed. And I know everybody's like, oh, executive vice president pushing himself. But, I mean, he's one of the stars of the company and... Then you got Darby, who's 26. He came into his own working for the WWN stuff. And he's probably going to go down as one of the biggest failures in the WWN family because they had built him up. He improved. The fans got behind him. And they constantly refused to pull the trigger with him as a champion, despite giving him big wins over guys like Zack Sabre Jr. and Matt Riddle. But they were never for the title. But uh, and he ended up leaving WWN and Evolve, and that's going to be AEW's gain right now. And he has a lot of potential, and he went from simply a spot guy in Daredevil to just a good professional wrestler that keeps improving. The only issue with the match is, like, you know, Cody, I think, needs to win because he has another big match with Dustin and the Bucks coming up. And I know it's a tag match and everything, but it's like, I think he should win. But then again, it's Darby Allin's debut, and he's a great performer. And I'm sure he's going to look more than competitive. And a loss kind of puts him in a hole to begin with. And he doesn't have the star power of somebody like Kenny Omega to bounce back. You know, Kenny Omega can lose to Chris Jericho and not lose a lot. Can Darby Allen lose to Cody and still come back is the question. So I think Cody wins, but it'll be interesting to see how this is booked out. Yeah, I like Darby Allen and the the promo package (laughs) on him on road to fighter fest or being the elite, whatever the YouTube gimmick that it aired on, uh, was, was excellent. And I like having seen his work and involve and evolve, uh, like he, he's a good wrestler. He's, he's 
clearly not afraid to to kill himself for entertainment um and he's i don't want to say he he used to be a stunt man but he did a lot of crazy stunts um and then he toned that down a little bit uh but he's still killing himself to for entertainment uh, if you saw highlights from the from the moxley match like that that guy was yeah he took some bumps that maybe he didn't quite need to take but hey that's kind of his his style i'm with you that it's a it's an odd match because you don't want cody to lose um as as he's going to play a, a big part moving forward but you you also if you do have high hopes for darby allen like you you need him to look a little strong um but losing to cody doesn't really like put too much uh you know isn't like a, a huge a huge ordeal you know what i mean like if he if he loses to cody then all right he's zero and one but hey that's a that's a loss to, to cody Rhodes. like that that's one of the top guys in the company it, it's very uh best of super juniors or, or g1-esque where it's like all right um show 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 lost to shingo it's like all right he's zero and one but he, he he lost to shingo like whatever that, that's not a that's not a huge loss so that's kind of how i'm looking at this it, it's a it's a show shingo kind of type deal maybe not quite on that level but it's similar to where the loss won't hurt Darby Allen too much, assuming he he gets what we think he'll get in this match. Yeah, and again, that's that's the point. It's not always if you lose, it's how you lose. And as long as you know, if they can create a great atmosphere with the crowds behind him and stuff, and that'll be the big thing. So we'll see what happens. I think Cody wins. Moving on, Jeremy, a match we talked about once we found out about Dean Ambrose leaving and the signing with AEW and just a match that made sense to everybody. John Moxley versus Joey Janela. Yeah, this is going to be crazy. <laughs> um, this it, like it's not announced as a hardcore match or a notice qualification match or a street fight or what the fuck ever. Um, I would assume they're going to be lenient on the rules here because you you know Janela wants to do some some dumb shit in this match and you know moxley wants to do some dumb shit in this match so they're going to be allowed to do some dumb shit in this match and i i'm looking forward to it yeah i mean that's that's pretty much how i see it and the thing is too is like not only that like janelle is just a dude that he works really hard he likes to get crazy he tries to impress every time out delivers in big matches you got Moxley coming off the U.S. title win over Juice in an excellent match. Declared for the G1. Just everything is clicking for him right now. And this is going to be his first official AEW match. And you have to think that he's going into this match like he did going into the Juice match. He wants to have another fucking banger. Wants to show that J- John Moxley is far from what Dean Ambrose was. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm expecting crazy and probably fucking great here. Yeah, it should be really good because both of these guys are going to work hard. And this is like this is a sort of a dream match for Janela um, when like Moxley Ambrose, it was first announced that he was leaving WWE way back in January, that it was leaving in April, end of April. Like Janelle was like, all right, let, let's let's fucking do this. And they like they've taken pictures at Indies together before uh, Moxley became Ambrose and, and Janela was like just first starting out and everything uh so like this is sort of a dream match for joey janela and moxley has shown that you know he's 
he's got a mind for the business. He, he's not going to go out there and just squash this guy. It's, it's going to be very like on the level of, of Juice Robinson where he's going to give as much as he gets, and it's going to be – like it's gonna be good, and Moxley should win. He he most likely will win because he's got the the big match with with Omega. Um, but yeah, it should be a wild match, and I, I'm interested to see how how they will kill themselves. Yeah, it's uh, definitely gonna get crazy. Yeah, Mox should win. It's just again, it's keep it simple, stupid. You know, he has a big match with Kenny Omega coming up. It would be really dumb for him to lose. So hopefully, they just. Keep everything stupid or simple and not be stupid. Sorry about that. Anyway, main event the Elite uh, reunites as Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks battle the Lucha Bros and Laredo Kid. Uh, this was <clears throat> originally going to be Pac in this match, but uh, depending on who you believe, creative differences slash covert visa cover up issues arrived, and Pac was off double or nothing and then not working this show. And since they were playing the build to Omega versus Pac, you know, it's kind of. A wash right now. But what are you going to do about that? Uh, Laredo Kid is really fucking good. Uh, if you guys haven't seen his uh, match with El Vikingo, uh, probably like the best lucha match I've seen this year. It was insane. Uh, make some time to see that one. But he's going to be a great addition to the match. He he doesn't have the star power, quote unquote, that uh, a Pac has. But he's really great. And, you know, he could use the exposure and could possibly be another guy they bring in. So I am all for it. And this, again, this is a match with a absolute banger potential. Probably will steal the show. I mean, there's a lot of stuff on this show that will probably be very good to great, but this one just feels like off the charts to me. It's going to be tough for, for these six to, to have a bad match. And this is this is very much Omega's event. Um, the, the New Japan crossover last year kind of flopped. Um, like, I think New Japan was running shows that that same weekend uh in other parts of the in other parts of the country i think they were running a show like in california so like kota bushi was on the show last year but like okada and stuff wasn't like uh omega is getting the full aew roster outside of chris jericho who pulled out even though he wasn't even advertised for the event um so you know omega one like he, he's that video game nerd he wants to be very impressive uh in front of his uh i guess sort of fan base here and, and omega just likes to be impressive regardless like that's kenny omega's whole gimmick is just to have good matches um and then yeah young bucks great lucha brothers great i've not seen a whole lot of laredo kid but i i trust your opinion on him and if like if he's getting this spot from aew they must see something in him as well because they're not going to just throw anybody in this spot and be like, all right, well, we'll, we'll work around you and, and we'll, you know, we'll have this great match. You'll just kind of be the weak link. It's you're being put in this spot because you can keep up with the rest of us. So I, I fully expect this, this match to deliver. I would expect the elite to win. You don't want Omega losing again. The Young Bucks, uh, I guess the Lucha Brothers could possibly get their win back here. I know they beat them in AAA, but uh, that doesn't count on the AEW records. So maybe that happens, but it, it feels like an elite win. Uh, the crowd goes home happy. Omega cuts his little post-match promo where he, he sends all the video game fans home happy and everything. Uh, but the match should be fantastic. Yeah, I definitely think the Elite wins, and I, I see a one-winged angel on the rated kid's future here. So uh, thanks for coming, putting in a great effort, but uh, take a nap. So, but yeah, definitely should be great. Looking forward to this. And a uh, card with a lot of potential. 
you know, there's little nitpicky stuff at the top of the show we talked about and uh, just like the ridiculous stipulation and, you know, the women's match doesn't really need to be a triple threat. I think one-on-one would have been better, but uh, just a lot of stuff to look forward to on the show. Potentially a great show and hopefully they deliver again. And uh, that's on Saturday night, as, as Jeremy said, free on BR Live in the United States. Uh, nine ninety nine in Ireland and like eight ninety nine in the UK or something like that on Fight TV, and uh, we will have full coverage of the show Saturday night. And Jeremy and I will be back, of course, to wrap up uh, the best in the world and this show in podcast form. So, uh, any closing thoughts, Jeremy? Yeah, the the Fighter Fest show is interesting because it's it's not the big show for AEW. Um, obviously, Double or Nothing was their their big big show and and All In. It was technically a big show, even though it wasn't under the AEW banner. And, and All Out is their big show. Like this is their first kind of hey, it's just sort of it's like an in your house show almost. And they've already said like they've kind of got a big four or five, and then they got these smaller shows. And there's a good mix of like you like Cody and and Moxley are working Janela and and Allen and it's like all right two established guys against two kind of up and coming guys and we'll it's a it's an interesting card they they've put together here and it's still tough to judge AEW because they don't have weekly television yet so right now you're just kind of going off of matches and, and what they talk about that they're going to do, but not so much as, all right, what's actually sustainable and, and what's sort of like the long-term play here. Like that's not going to play out uh, until they get to television. Um, but they built it well. I really like the the Road to Fighter Fest specials. Being the elite is always entertaining in some form. So it's a it's a good card. And I mean, it's it's free. So the matches will, will probably good be good. May, maybe not quite best pro wrestling on the planet good but probably pretty good yeah i think there's a lot of potential it just depends on how things shake out and booking and everything and again you know we're still trying to learn a lot about this company people keep asking like you know blah 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 what do you think how is this how is that and it's like well it's it's hard to tell i mean it's right now there's a lot of things to be impressed about they sold out um double or nothing they sold out all out um they did a hundred thousand pay-per-view buys all this without tv so, I mean, those are impressive things. But again, and as Jeremy and I have talked about several times, these are all great things, and I don't want to diminish them. But what's it going to look like when you're doing weekly TV? What size buildings are you going to run? Are you going to be able to sell tickets every week? And then what are you going to be able to draw rating-wise and all that? So, a lot of unanswered questions, but I mean, there's a lot of stuff to be excited about. There's a lot of great talent. There's a lot of great matches. And again, it's a, it's kind of just, and I, I, I hate using it because it feels like a cop up, but it's, it's a wait and see scenario because we don't know, we don't know what size buildings are they, are they going to run five, seven thousand seat buildings, which would probably be a good idea, to try to sell out weekly on TV, and people are going to go, well, WWE runs fifteen thousand seat buildings, yeah, but they don't sell them out. You know, look at stomping grounds, they had like yeah, half I, that fucking building taped off. I have a hard time getting into the whole, oh, there were 8 million people in line for all-out tickets. Like, all right, I mean, sure, based on those numbers and stuff, I don't know how accurate those numbers are. People are using multiple devices, which, I mean, that happens at, at every ticket thing. Like, there was obviously high demand for the show there could they have sold out a bigger building potentially especially if they were running at that price would more people have have 
been in line if they were running higher prices i mean but let's let's be fair here aew is is very consumer friendly with their with their pricing like they sell their tickets for way lower than you would expect them to sell for and they probably could sell them for much higher and still sell out that wouldn't be an issue but there is going to be more demand when people can get this shit cheaper it's just it's just a fact. Like, are you gonna? Do you want to pay twenty bucks for a ticket? Do you want to pay eighty bucks for a ticket? It's easier to pay twenty bucks for a ticket. Um, like that stuff, I'm not super interested in. I, I truthfully, the the business side of stuff isn't too concerning to me because like AEW is not going under. WWE, all right, stomping grounds. Maybe it didn't sell very well. They're they're not going out of business. Just, oh, just give now. me. It just, like just give me a good show. I I don't want to argue with oh well, WWE's ticket sales is this and ratings are down and blah blah blah. Like yeah, it's concerning stuff. Until there's a threat, they're going out of business. Whatever, just give me a good show. Like there's a reason ratings and ticket sales and shit are down because you're giving me a shitty product right now. Just just give me a good product and then i will con- like you're still making billions of dollars like i don't give a shit that you didn't sell out this show like you're still making billions i just want it, it's a it's sort of a similar thing to, to basketball with me like all right there's a salary cap and like billionaires don't want to have to pay over the luxury tax and stuff like it's not my fucking money i don't care how much you pay like just give me the best players on the court just, just give me a good team to watch and that's how i feel about wrestling so, yeah, the, the ticket sales stuff, I, I hope they do well. I hope they continue to do well. The, the better they do, the, the better wrestling position will be. But until there's a threat that, hey, they maybe they're not doing so well and maybe they're about to go out of business, like, whatever. I, I just want I want a good product. Yeah, no, I mean, exactly. And that's, that's what I want, too. But, yeah, it's just... Like Impact has been around for 50 years now. Nobody's going out of business in wrestling. Amazingly enough, they aren't, yes. <laughs> it's although just uh, speaking of various talents and people going places, I tell you what, man, it is going to be bad news if they cannot uh, resign uh, LAX. Yeah, I saw that story, and uh, it, it's really LAX's decision. You know what I mean? Like Impact can offer them what they can offer them, but if they're like, we want a bigger platform, we want a bigger stage, then you know AEW is going to offer them comparable money probably to impact they're obviously offering them a bigger stage they're they're truthfully offering them better a better product better matches like you get to work with the the bucks you get to work with the the lucha bros again uh super smash brothers or dark order whatever the fuck they're called uh best friends and and whoever else they bring in like impacts tag team division i guess you've got um uh, Ethan Page and, and um, uh, the, the walking weapon guy, Josh Alexander, and you've got the Rascals and stuff, but the, the tag division is is fairly thin. WWE, like, they'll pay you the most, so if you're you're in the goal, if your goal is to make money, like, that's where you're going to, to make that money. Um, so it's really up to them, and if they lose them, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a bad look, because that LAX uh, OG's storyline last year was one of the best things on impact television in a very long time. Yeah. But between the good angles and great matches they've had, they've been a, a real standard bearer for them. And it's like, you can't lose those guys, but it's like, I kind of feel like I've been hearing about them, like not resigning for a long time. And it kind of feels like they're playing their hand pretty smart because, you know, WWE is offering people more money than ever. 
you have AEW out there as a choice. So it's like, you know, it's like they they're they're playing the game probably, and good for them. Those boys deserve to get paid. Yeah, hey, their contracts are up at the right time. Let's just say that like. They're in a great position right now with AEW willing to spend money, WWE willing to spend money, Impact still willing to to try to keep a, a foothold in the wrestling business to spend money. I don't think New Japan is going to have too much interest. and in, Maybe they don't have too much interest in New Japan, but hey, New Japan needs some tag teams. And like you can do a lot worse than LAX if, if they say, yeah, we want to give Japan a try. Like New Japan would, would certainly be an option. And, and ROH might even be willing to spend money. Like they, They've outspent uh, uh, companies, or at least they, they've had interest from from people that could have gone to WWE or AEW, but they, they decided to go with ROH thanks to CMLL and, and New Japan connections. So I, I think they're in it as well, mainly thanks to their connections, but but they're still in it. So they got their options open. Their contracts definitely came up at the right time. Yeah, and like I said, good for them. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, again, Jeremy and I will be back after Fighter Fest, and we will break down uh, Best in the World and Fighter Fest and probably talk about some other stuff and until then um just want to remind you you can follow the show on itunes stitcher spotify google play youtube and of course the 411mania.com website make sure to subscribe and share the show around and if you have a chance give us a five-star review on itunes jeremy thank you for your time as always of course of course it's always fun chatting the wrestling that's right and we will talk to you guys later on thanks as always